I really need to thank you and Sarah for being there for me. You guys could have easily said, this isn't my problem. This is your problem. Your lack of due diligence is entirely your fault and not done anything at all. But you guys have been there for me every step of the way. You responded on Voxer at 342 in the morning. I know it might have been 642 depending on where you were, but honestly, who works at that time? So just the fact that you guys were there for me, I appreciate it so much. Welcome to the Creating Wealth Show with Jason Hartman. You're about to learn a new slant on investing, some exciting techniques and fresh new approaches to the world's most historically proven asset class that will enable you to create more wealth and freedom than you ever thought possible. Jason is a genuine self-made multimillionaire who's actually been there and done it. He's a successful investor, lender, developer, and entrepreneur who's owned properties in 11 states, had hundreds of of tenants and been involved in thousands of real estate transactions. This program will help you follow in Jason's footsteps on the road to your financial independence day. You really can do it. And now, here's your host, Jason Hartman, with the complete solution for real estate investors. Welcome listeners from 165 countries worldwide. This is Jason Hartman with episode 1147-1147. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've got Adam here with me. And uh, Adam, what are we doing today? We're doing a client case study, right? Yeah, from a young millennial. So good news. Those millennials may not be buying as many houses as everybody else to live in, but this one has decided, hey, it's time to get into investment properties. Well, let me tell you, this one is, this is our client, Lisa, and she's awesome. She's really bright. She is just doing all the right stuff. It's just great to hear her story. Uh, she got in contact with me because her investment counselor connected me on a Voxer chat with her because she was having some challenges with her property. And as I was listening to the dialogue back and forth, I was so impressed with how prepared she was and how specific she was in holding the property manager accountable. And this is exactly what we want. Again, one of my big goals here is to create a group of millions of empowered investors who are empowered to get the results for themselves. And if they don't self-manage, they at least are holding their service providers accountable. This will make the world a better place for all, a better place for all. Yeah, really excited about this uh, case study. We have that coming up in a few minutes. But, you know, most of our listeners, if not all of our listeners, even my older mother uses uh, these services. She's kind of semi-tech savvy just because it's so convenient. And that is ride sharing. You know, so my mom regularly takes Lyft and Uber. And Adam, you were reading up on Lyft's IPO. Now, both of these companies, the two big ride sharing giants, are going public this year. And uh, you found some interesting things. Uh, and this relates to commandment number five. Thou shalt not gamble. Remember, investing is about cash flow. It's about income. It's not about speculation or capital gains appreciation. Adam, tell the listeners what you found. Yeah, so Lyft is coming out with their IPOs later this year, and they're expected to be valued around like 20 to $25 billion, which is, I don't know if you know this, that's a lot of money. But in their financials, they actually came out and said they've never turned a profit, which isn't horribly surprising. But they essentially said 
there's no real way for them to do it effectively, to turn a profit effectively, until they get completely autonomous with their vehicles. No drivers in them at all. And the only way otherwise they can do it is to jack up rates or to slash the rates of their driver's pay, which would essentially make them into the taxicab service that we had before. And we'll send drivers over to Uber, but then Uber will you know, have a glut of drivers and probably cut their pay as well and just make it a vicious cycle. So these ride shares, it may look like a good deal and it may be a good deal. I mean, I'm gonna take one when I'm at Meet the Masters, whenever I get to the airport, just call up an Uber, go there. But the companies themselves are not turning a profit and they are not looking like any time in the future they're gonna be turning a profit. So if you invest now, what you're really doing is saying, I'm going to hold this until, and I believe they're gonna be around until all of the autonomous cars are in and their whole fleet is that. So, I mean, you're investing for the long haul for this. Yeah, you definitely are. Well, what's interesting about this is, uh, well, you're an Adam, but I'm gonna talk about another Adam for a moment, and that is Adam Smith who wrote The Wealth of Nations, the famous book, which really kind of made the world understand modern economic theory. And he talked about the invisible hand, right? The invisible hand in free market commerce that dictates prices. And maybe what we're seeing here with Lyft and Uber is we're seeing that maybe those taxi companies weren't ripping us off so badly after all. Now, granted, they were ripping us off all these years because they had a a semi-monopoly. They had kind of a duopoly, right? And the music industry was ripping us off too for decades. And many industries have, have done that whenever they have, you know, very little or no competition. Of course, that happens. But the invisible hand comes into play when there's some competition. And so what is so dysfunctional about these tech-oriented companies is that they are overfunded, overfunded by venture capitalists. And because they're overfunded, they can go in and buy the market with artificially low prices. And, you know, the company I am talking about now is in the real estate business. They are in our business. They will remain nameless, but they are an overfunded venture capital funded company. We've never tried to raise or raised a dollar in in this business. I did talk about it a little bit last year, but just never got around to it, frankly. And I keep telling myself I'm going to get around to it because I've had many people ask me if they could invest in the company. And so we have to do things on an economic model that makes sense. Okay, but when you're an overfunded company, when you're an overfunded tech company, you can undercut, you can buy the market, and you can lull consumers into being your customer. But then, of course, what you're going to have to do when eventually economic forces set in, when the invisible hand dictates, you will have to actually raise prices. This is really a, a bait and switch isn't it? I mean, I'm talking about for consumers. It's a bait and switch. Now, we're talking about this from two angles. We're talking about it from the potential shareholder angle and the consumer angle. But on the shareholder angle, what you say, Adam, is is pretty darn interesting. You usually see when IPOs come out, there'll be a spike right at the beginning, and then it goes down. And I think it's going to be a really steady down 
whenever it comes to Uber and Lyft, if this holds true. Yeah, it's um, a lot of investors are violating commandment number five, of course. Yeah. They're not investing for income. They're not buying. Look, at if you're going to be in the stock market and you're going to speculate in that huge casino known as Wall Street, you should at least buy only dividend-paying stocks because then you're buying on a model that makes sense. It's it's an income-based investment. So you can calculate the, I'll call it the rent-to-value ratio <laughs> on your stocks. But most investors just do this speculative, it's a frenzy. It's a mob mentality. It's a mania. It's very, very risky stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, Adam. Yeah, really. I mean, it could, if it fails miserably, it could be the end of Lyft. I mean, if Lyft's IPO, if, if enough people look at it and realize it, and Uber as well, and they can't get the money they need, it could make them, I mean, essentially go away. Well, I don't or think go, that'll I guess happen. they would have to go back private. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's a, uh, yeah, like the chances of that happening chance, yeah. are almost nil, okay? Yeah. But if you're thinking about investing in companies that don't make money, yeah. you know, like Doug and I always say, guess what? Real businesses make money. <laughs> they actually show profits. Uh, everything else is uh, is just ridiculous. So this is the typical bait and switch that always happens. It's happening, you know, with Amazon because uh, the prices have been artificially low and they're ratcheting up the screws on everybody from the sellers to the consumers and it'll get worse. Lyft and Uber, same thing. The company in our space that you know, drowning in venture capital money, same thing. They're undercutting the market. Nobody can make money on their economic model. Well, that's what I contend, at least. Look, I know the business. I've been doing it a lot longer than they have. So this stuff is artificial, and it usually ends up very badly. So we will see what happens. We'll see what happens. But hey, if you think there's a free ride, there is only occasionally a free ride, and we've got one for you. Yep, a free ride. I wanted to say, and I wanted to uh, say to our attendees of Meet the Masters, if you are local, if you are driving to the event and you are interested, we are going to raffle off the furniture that we have to buy for Meet the Masters. You know, we have furniture on the stage. We order several pieces of furniture. Now, we've got some nice white contemporary bar stools, eight of them that we ordered for the stage for our panel discussions and uh, some other things. If uh, you want any of this, we're going to raffle it off to the attendees. And hey, you know, if, if you want to take it and ship it, you can, but it's not going to be worth it for you. Uh, so all I'm saying is leave a little space in your car. <laughs> if you want to take any of this home Sunday night when we're finished with it. Uh, it's we, probably we, not uh, like Texas. There probably aren't a whole lot of Californians with trucks coming to the event. That's true. It's not like, it's not like living in Texas where you got to pick them up truck but these you can put in your car it's pretty easy and i just wanted to say leave some space because we always give the furniture away so leave some space if you can't do that we're going to have some great contests coming up that we'll announce on the show adam i just got a new coffee maker i gotta share it with our audience i gotta give one of these away so as long we're as you don't do give that. me one why not because you don't oh, i hate coffee I knew, I knew you were messed up. I, I just knew you were messed up. You're crazy. So coffee is very good for you. You know, it prevents Alzheimer's, supposedly. Sponsored by the Coffee Growers Association. I can't stand the stuff, so never have. Well, I think it's good. I think it's good. Okay, hey, any last-minute announcements for Meet the Masters? I've got, I had a long talk with George Gilder yesterday. He said, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to come into LAX, and I'll just take Lyft or Uber. So applies to our uh, conversation we just had. And uh, he will be speaking at our event. Tom, we'll 
all right. We just got a great event coming up, jasonhartman.com slash masters. And Adam, you ready for our case study? Let's listen to the millennial. Okay, let's hear from Lisa, a millennial investor. I think she said she had four properties. She'll talk about it in the case study. And here we go. Join us March 23rd and 24th for the 2019 Meet the Masters of Income property. Let's break this down and look at some of the strengths of income property as an asset class. Now, I found that this event is really helpful because I'm totally a newbie to real estate investment. And so I picked up so much information. One of the great things about it is that it's so fragmented, right? Embrace the fragmentation. Uh, I've actually been learning a lot about the tax benefits to uh, real estate and a lot of, I've been in investing actually well over 10 years now and I learned a lot of new things today. The other advantage of this weekend is networking. Meeting new property managers, meeting new area specialists and, and seeing the product they have to offer, that changes year by year. Register now at jasonhartman.com masters. Hey, it's my pleasure to welcome one of our clients to the show, and that is Lisa Tomita. We love doing these client case studies, and I get such great feedback from you listeners on them. And uh, Lisa has a, really a great story. She was introduced to our network uh, back in 2015 when her dad brought her to our Meet the Masters conference for her 25th birthday. <laughs> and then uh, Lisa acquired four properties, two in Little Rock and two in Jackson, and uh, is here to talk about her story. Uh, she's had some bumps in the road and some challenges and has done a very nice job overcoming those and uh, I think is on the right road. Lisa, welcome. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you on the show. And, um, you know, thanks for volunteering. And interestingly, your desire to come on the show kind of came out of really having a pretty significant challenge with uh, one of your properties. That challenge, kind of like, you know, when you when you have one difficulty and you take a different road, it, I guess, inspired you to self-manage the property. Is that correct? Yeah, that's totally correct. So back in November, um, we went to your profits in paradise. In between the bashing of millennials, aka me. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I learned a lot about self-management. And I think that conference definitely gave me the courage to do it myself. I got cozy. I let my property manager go. Mm -hmm. And um, I haven't looked back. Yeah. So as a result of the self-managing, I think I've developed really good relationships with my tenants. In fact, last night when I was at the gym, I actually ended up spending an hour on the elliptical because I was talking on the phone to my tenant. <laughs> oh, you're, you're getting... Now, I was talking to now, her. now, Lisa, you do understand that people listening might say the last thing they want to do is talk to their tenant for an hour, right? <laughs> yeah, but I think that shows the relationship that I've developed with them. Right. You know, she definitely has my back. Mm -hmm. Last week, she kicked out Roto-Rooter because they wanted to charge me $200. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, no, we're not spending that. But she shouldn't really care about how much money I'm spending. Right. Instead, she went to Lowe's, she bought Drano, and she bought a new plunger, mm -hmm. and she plunged her sink, and she hasn't had problems. You know, isn't that great? I mean, I had no idea you were going to tell that story just now. But it's great. You know, most people, it, it's kind of like you hear about dealing with employees or, you know, your children and and stuff like that. Like if you show confidence in them and treat them fairly, most people are decent people 
and they will rise to the occasion. And here you've got this tenant that is looking out for your interest and protecting your interest, whereas the property manager, unfortunately, did the exact opposite. Right. Yeah. Definitely. That's just one of my tenants. My other tenant, the oven broke. And she was asking her friends if I could use their employee discount to get her a refurbished stove. She wasn't even asking for a new stove, uh-huh. which I thought was also very nice. Yeah, it's amazing. Now, you've got four properties now, is that correct? Correct. Yeah. And wow, you're in your 20s. That's, that's fantastic. So congratulations on that. And are you self-managing all four of them or just the two? Just two. Just two of them. Okay. So it sounds like your other property manager, are they doing okay for you? Are they great? Or are they so-so? Or how's that going on the other properties that you still have managers? I think I could give you a better answer in a couple weeks. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I had one of my tenants not be able to make their rent because of the government shutdown. So now they're about two and a half months behind. You know, I don't want to kick them out because kicking them out causes maybe I did the math and it's about four thousand dollars every time I have to put a new tenant in between lost rents and expenses. Yeah, well you're gonna find I I bet Lisa you're gonna find that that number decreases when you self-manage because this is kind of the concept I'm I'm trying to convey to people is that many times self-management is actually easier. It takes actually less time because you remove this inherent conflict of interest where the manager is trying to serve two masters. Well, they're really trying to serve three. They're trying to keep the tenant at bay and serve them. They're Mm -hmm. supposed to be serving you, the owner, right? Because you're actually their client. They have the obligation to you. And then they're serving their own interests, self-serving, right? And, you know, everybody's self-serving. You you know, that's the way capitalism works, okay? But they're basically trying to keep three plates in the air, three balls in the air at a time, right? And Mm -hmm. it can't be done. So just you just get them out of the way. You're dealing directly with the tenant. And interestingly, like I mentioned a, a moment ago, the tenant many times just becomes a much better citizen, or at least seemingly, we, I mean, we don't know the conversations between the property manager and the tenant, usually. But I find that my tenants, they're great. They, they'll repair things. They'll do research for me. They'll spend their time meeting contractors, getting multiple estimates. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to wait for your rent. So it's much easier to calendar your rent when it just comes in on the first with a property manager, because you have this lag time in receiving the rent, you know, you kind of don't know when to expect it exactly. And different property managers might, some will send it on the 15th, some on the 20th, some at the end of the month. They've got that float where they've got that rent for maybe two, three weeks, maybe four weeks, right? Right. It's sort of hard to keep track of, right? When, when you just go direct, it just becomes easier. Right. So everything hits my cozy account, just like you recommended. Mm -hmm. And then it goes straight into my bank account. There's no waiting. Yeah. Isn't that great? So the first of the month comes along, you know, the rent is just there, huh? Yep. It's nice. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Now, in fairness to this whole process and property managers, we do have to say, it's kind of new for you, right? You've been self-managing for maybe, what, five months or six months? It was five months, right? Five months, yeah. I remember. Yeah, so what do you expect going forward? I'm not really sure right now. Mm-hmm. Everything's kind of up in the air. Yeah. I quit my job in November, so I'm looking at ways to get 
more in- invested, mm-hmm. well, not more invested. Yeah, more active in real estate. Okay, great. And what was your job? What were you? I doing? was in marketing. Okay, okay, great. And so uh, you really you got this interest in real estate, and now you can explore that a little bit. But you you actually chose to quit your job. Uh, you didn't yes, get laid did. off or anything, right? No, yeah. Okay. Entitled millennial. Right. Yeah. Right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I don't need you. Okay. I'm going to apologize to all our millennial listeners because we have tons of them for picking on them a little bit, but you must admit some of it's deserved. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to stop picking on millennials. You know what? I'm probably just jealous that I'm not one of them. That's probably what it is, right? <laughs> Maybe. You never know. You never know. Anything more you want to share on self-management? I mean, what were you talking to your tenants so long about? Done any upgrades to properties? You know, you've got basically $1,500 extra a year that you're not paying to a property manager, something like that. Yeah. So last night we were talking about she wants to switch out the countertop and she's willing to pay for the whole thing herself. Wow. She just wanted my permission. Uh-huh. And she was sending me links from Lowe's onto like different types of Formica she wants to use. Mm-hmm. She already got the quote. I gave her with the estimate that I got for another problem we're having in the house. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, no, that's too expensive. Mm-hmm. Let me ask around to see if I can get you a lower quote. Her husband's a roofer, so he knows people who would definitely be able to help get that price lowered. Wow. Well, that's handy. Gosh, you've got this tenant who is taking a nice active role in improving the property. And then you've got the tenant's husband who is a roofer. How convenient. How convenient is that? And you know, Lisa, I got to tell you a story. It just happened a few days ago with one of my property managers. And this is on one of my Memphis properties. They had emailed me uh, maybe early last week said, okay, we need to fix some shingles on the roof. You mentioned roofs, so I thought of it. I said, well, what's going on? You know, a couple emails back and forth. They explained it to me. I said, I need a quote. And she said, well, it'll be $520 or something like that. I think it was $520. And I said, well, I, I, I need to see the written quote. I don't just need an email from you saying it's 520. Like, that's not enough information. And it's certainly not proof, right? I need proof. I need an actual document. So she sends me in the next email a quote, and I said I need pictures, and she sent me pictures. This quote is just handwritten on a piece of blank estimate paper, okay? It has no contractor name. And I said, who is the contractor? Who is it a roofing company? What is their contact information? Blah, blah, blah. She emails back and says it's I don't know. I think she said David Gonzalez or something like that. And I said, well, who's that? Does he have a phone number, an address, a website, a contractor license number? You know, I I need to know who's doing the work. And I need the estimate broken out into what exactly is going to be done, the quote. Then she emails me a couple of days ago, and this was maybe Tuesday. It's now Thursday. And she says, we haven't heard from you, and we need to get the roof fixed, And we're going to go ahead and authorize the work. And I said, don't you dare. I replied right back. And I said, don't you dare do that. I need another quote. And I need it just like I requested the first time. (laughs) Imagine this, Lisa. The same day I hear back with, oh, here's another quote for $250. Less than half what the other guy was going to charge. Okay? Mm -hmm. Less than half. More than 50% off. So I said, go ahead and do the work. $250? Great. You know, less than half. And then after I authorized it, I sent another email a few hours later and said, 
do you have any comments about the fact that we were going to spend more than double? And she said, well, you know, I just wanted to get it done fast. Everybody's happy to spend your money, aren't they? <laughs> you know? No, they really are. Yeah, we got to watch out for ourselves and protect our own interests and get that intermediary, that conflict of interest out of the way. I'm really glad you're doing it. And and Lisa, don't you feel more empowered and more independent now? Like you can, aren't you learning some things? I'm definitely learning a lot. I do have to say, though, I think you're lucky that you got those estimates because I've been in situations where I get slapped for $700 in charges for an air conditioning cage and installation. And I didn't ask for that. I'm not saying it's not needed, but I'm just saying, like, did we really need to buy a $600 air conditioning cage? You have to authorize this stuff. They have no right to spend your money. They have to get your approval. And not only that, it shouldn't cost that much. A cage should be like $350. It should be, mm -hmm. you know, like half that. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it is amazing. You know, my mom taught me and Drew Baker, who's speaking at Meet the Masters, and, and, you know, he's been on the show several times. He's talking about self-management. These are two people I know that they get deals on stuff. And you think, well, time is money. You know, they must spend their whole day chasing down a deal. But they don't. It's really easy to source good deals with the internet tools that we have nowadays. So, uh, yeah, it's great. And even if you go back to having a manager, you'll be a more competent manager of your manager now, won't you? Right. I think before I was a little bit more hands-off, mm -hmm. but after seeing all the things that I'm getting charged for mm -hmm. and then going to the conferences and talking to other people about their experiences, I've definitely become more active, <laughs> active enough to quit and do this instead. Yeah, good. I love it. You know, the the property management industry, just like many other industries, the legal industry, the healthcare industry, the college industrial complex, debt complex, you know, all of these things, there comes a point when people push back. They realize, look, I am getting overcharged and I'm getting mistreated and I demand better. And, you know, they look for other options. And so in our world, it's the property management side. And there are some great property managers out there. I'm not bashing all of them, just like there are some awesome millennials out there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you just deserve better. And so I'm really glad you, you demanded it for yourself. It, it's awesome. What about due diligence? Talk to us about that for a moment. So there's levels to due diligence. And I didn't realize this going into... 2018. I thought, you know, if you go down, you visit with a provider, you know, you tour with them for a couple of days, you get familiar with their work. That should be good enough, you know, especially if you trust them. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely not. Even if they say that they're doing the property inspection, you need to get your own done as well. Because mm -hmm. in the situation I'm in now, I didn't get the property inspection done. This is the fifth house I bought with the provider. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been a total disaster. And if I hadn't fired my property manager, I'm not sure if I would be aware of it, but I would mm -hmm. have had lost the tenant and um, been out a pretty significant amount of money, probably like $4,000. That's significant. Very yeah. good point. So one of the other things I love about self-management and, you know, I, I have a blend. I have some of my property managers that I just love and I let them do the management. And some, you know, there's every degree in between. 
but you don't know what's going on. You don't have any first-hand knowledge. All you get is hearsay from them, and it allows them to really cover up their own mistakes a lot, doesn't it? When you're not dealing directly with the party, you don't know. I mean, I experience this all the time with all different professionals, accountants, lawyers. When someone is in there representing you, you don't get the benefit of direct communication. Mm -hmm. And with the direct communication, you can make better assessments and know what's going on. And they can paper over a lot of their mistakes. They can blame another party. They can do all kinds of stuff that isn't in your best interest, right? Definitely. It's funny because when I was prepping for this interview, I went back and I looked through a booklet I got from the Memphis tour in 2015. Mm -hmm. And all your commandments are laid out in there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think you just touched on commandment three. Mm -hmm. But I realized in buying this specific property, I violated four out of the 10 commandments. <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry about that. Hey, listen, Lisa, don't worry. It's really six commandments and four suggestions. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I violate them myself from time to time. And it seems like every time I violate one of my own commandments, I pay for it. So try to stick to them as best you can. But you know, it's like anything. Look, you know, none of us are perfect. We should all do lots of things we don't necessarily do. We don't always eat right. We don't always exercise. And, you know, that's just life. But good. You know, you, you learn and you become more independent. On the home inspection issue, you did not hire your own home inspector, right? Tell us a little bit. Drill down on that. Like the property, the, the seller had a home inspection and they handed it to you. Is that what you're saying? Or, or you just decided not to get one at all? Or what did you mean there? She told me that she was in her process. She mm -hmm. does the home inspection. So I thought, oh, I'm fine. This is like, I trust this lady. Mm -hmm. This is the fifth house I have with her between my dad and I. Right. And I guess she didn't do it either. I'm not really sure. Her website says she does the home inspections, but I wasn't handed a stack of paper. Well, I wouldn't be handed anything. Mm -hmm. I wasn't emailed a stack of paper for right. the home inspection. So I don't even know if it's actually been done or not. And I didn't realize that till we started having these problems. Yeah. So folks always have a home inspection. And here's a question I get asked from time to time. Do I need a home inspection on a new home? What if it's brand new construction? Do I need a home inspection? Let me answer that now. And this doesn't apply to Lisa. I'm just answering in general for the listeners. If it is a big, you know, builder, like a big regional or national builder, home builder, then I don't think you need one. I mean, look, I just bought a new home recently uh, that I live in. I didn't get a home inspection. Okay. And it's no big deal because I've got this big builder and, you know, I'm going to tell them what they need to fix and, you know, they're going to come over and do it. Not necessarily right away, but, they'll you know, they'll get it done. But if it's a small builder that's building like a couple of houses here and there, I would even get a home inspection on a brand new home. It's well worth the money. And we're going to be doing some episodes about home inspections. You know, at Meet the Masters, we've got a home inspector with, with a lot of visual aids um, and pictures of things to watch out for. And this is the new thing. And I've been wanting to do it for a couple of years. But unfortunately, home inspectors are not like these charismatic public speaker types like I am, right? No, just kidding. <laughs> um, they're... they're technicians and they don't usually do this kind of thing but my goal is to 
educate and create millions of empowered real estate investors, whether it be through other elements. But the one sort of missing element that we haven't covered much is the physical stuff about the property, right? The physical attributes. And that's what we really want to dive into. So good, good stuff. Lisa, what else do you want people to know? I really need to thank you and Sarah for being there for me. You guys could have easily said this isn't my problem. This is your problem. Your lack of due diligence is entirely your fault and not done anything at all. But you guys have been there for me every step of the way. You responded on Voxer at 342 in the morning. I know (laughs) it might have been 642 depending on where you were, but honestly, who works at that time? So just the fact that you guys were there for me, I appreciate it so much. We have a family friend who um, bought a couple properties with a competitor and I'm mm-hmm. putting that in air quotes right mm-hmm. now. Right. And they did nothing. Yeah. So I think if anyone out there is trying to debate whether or not they should buy a house from you or a competition, like it's you guys hands down. There's nothing else you could have done. Everything that I needed, you guys did for me mm-hmm. and I really just appreciate it so much. Well, thank you for that and you know, we're happy to do it. We want to see our clients be successful. These are frankly little inexpensive houses. You live in Orange County. I used to live there, you know. Well, is Cerritos in Orange County or LA County? I can't remember. Technically in LA County, but I walk to the Orange County border. Right. It's right right on the line. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. You live in Southern California. I used to live there and those are expensive houses. And you know, when you when you sell one of those properties, you make a lot of money. But these are little inexpensive bread and butter houses. So we depend on repeat business. It's like a restaurant. You know, we need our clients to keep coming back. But even if it wasn't for that reason, it's just the right thing to do. I just hate injustice. And I think some of these uh, vendors and players in our industry are so weaselly and they're just bad operators. And I'm just not going to put up with it, you know, so so good. Yeah, no, we're happy to do that. And, and thanks for thanks for sharing that, Lisa. Is there anything else you'd like people to know? What's the future hold for you? What are your some of your investment goals? I mean, now you're thinking of maybe going to this uh, on a full time basis. Is that uh, what you're thinking? Or There's a couple things I need to figure out still. I think if there's any advice that I could give, I think I touched on it earlier. Your 10 commandments are really the truth. I think between education, the having a good team, not gambling and maintaining control. I think those four that I just listed off just are so important Mm -hmm. that you, you really should write it on the back of your hand or tattoo it on the back of your hand. So you never forget because I think if I held onto those closer, I wouldn't be in the situation. We've all got to learn our own lessons. Right. And you know, that's just part of life and, and growing into it. Thanks for sharing that and everything, Lisa. And I just want to say, look, I don't think there's anybody listening to my podcast or coming to our live conferences who doesn't believe that income property is the best asset class. But, you know, you have problems from time to time. It's not without its problems, for sure. And as long as you can, you know, stay in the game, overcome the problems and the adversities, and, you know, learn from them and just do it better next time, the asset is so durable 
that it's like the self-healing asset, <laughs> you know, take a couple lumps and, you know, your ROI will be hurt, but it doesn't last that long. You know, it, it just recovers so nicely always. So that's one of the great things about the resilience of, of income property, isn't it? Yes, it yeah. definitely is. Good stuff. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. And I am sorry to hear that you will not be able to attend Meet the Masters coming up, but I know you've been before, obviously on your birthday. <laughs> And I'm um, on your 25th birthday, so you reached the Quarter Century Club right at the point when we had uh, Meet the Masters in 2015, so that's awesome. Keep in touch and let us know how it uh, pans out with everything, and uh, you know maybe you'll be self-managing your other two properties at some point. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. That sounds good. Yeah, good, good stuff. All right, thanks for sharing, and happy investing. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. Be sure to check out the show's specific website and our general website, hartmanmedia.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Remember that guest opinions are their own. And if you require specific legal or tax advice or advice in any other specialized area, please consult an appropriate professional. And we also very much appreciate you reviewing the show. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio or whatever platform you're using and write a review for the show. We would very much appreciate that. And be sure to make it official and subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.